You guys ready to worship the Lord this morning? Well, come on, let's stand our feet and put our hands together as we bless him because he's worthy, amen? Come on, let's put those hands together. We bless you, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord. Oh, Lord, we say we worship you, oh, God. I want to Sing it out, sing. You are good. You are good. In the sun and rain, in the sun and rain, my heart separates. Because you are good. You are good. With a cry, with a cry of praise, my heart will proclaim. Shout out, sing. That you are good. You are good and I shout because you are 
Well, good morning and welcome to Church on the Rock. Listen, we're so glad that you're here. We're worshiping God and we want you to join us in worship because the God that we love is the one that we're singing, shouting, and dancing about. He is good. Nothing is impossible with him. Amen. God, we bless you. Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you are. The heavens under and the world was born. The light begins and ends in the dust. Faith commanded and the mountains move. Fear is losing ground to our hope in you. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be Chains undone. The sin defeated, Jesus is overcome. Mercy triumphed when the third day dawned. Darkness was denied when the stone was drawn. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and this morning. Amen. Nothing is impossible with our God. Lord, we declare that this morning. Nothing shall be impossible, Lord. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, come on, declare with a feast now. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, come on, last time we say. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, we believe that this morning. Unstoppable God. Oh, unstoppable God. Let your glory go on and on. Things in your 
me believe that this morning. We're going to sing that just one more time, but before we do, how many still believe that anything is possible with God? Amen? We're making a declaration that he's unstoppable. Nothing can stand in the way of our God. So as we sing that again, let your heart just declare that to the heavens this morning, that we serve a God that is bigger than any problem that we brought into this place this morning. We say now, unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Come on, sing it again, say. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Lord, we believe you for the impossible thing. The King of Glory 
this heart of worship, I'm just asking you to go ahead and be seated while the ushers serve you communion. As we celebrate the sacrifice that was made for us. Amen.
It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, one last time, oh precious. And oh precious is the Many people in America, they have no idea what we're singing about right now. What you hold in your hands is a, it's a symbol. As they continue to serve you, we, here's a symbol. It's a small piece of little cracker, but it's unleavened bread. It means it was made without yeast. And it's a picture of the body of Christ that was bruised and broken and beaten, given on a cross, and that he was sinless. And because of that, he took our place. You see, Christianity is different than any other religion because of what Jesus did. You see, Jesus lived a perfect life. And it's just like if you owe a mortgage on your house and you can't pay it, and they're going to come and take your home away. Well, just before the sheriff comes up, imagine if someone comes up with a cashier's check for the full amount. And then you give that to the sheriff and the bank and all that, and they say you can stay in your home. You see, someone did something for you you couldn't do for yourself. And that's what Jesus did on the cross, and we remember this. We remember his blood that was shed for us. You say, why blood, Pastor? Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. The Bible also teaches us that life is in the blood. Hence, his life was substituted for ours. I'm not saved by my good works. Yesterday, as I was praying about our communion time together, I felt the Lord remind me of a scripture. It's in Ephesians. You know, I'm looking around the world today, and there's a lot of things that, from a biblical point of view, are just not right. That terrible church shooting several weeks ago, uh, the conversation of the Confederate flag and racial hatred. I mean, no, there's sin going in all sorts of directions from that thing. You look at the Supreme Court justices this week, and they ruled against a clear teaching of the Bible. But I want to be real careful as a Christian that I don't want to become self-righteous. And particularly, it, the longer you walk with God, the clearer it is the difference between right and wrong. But how many know we're all saved? And here's the scripture in Ephesians 2. You're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest any person should boast. And what that simply means is nobody can be good enough to go to heaven. Nobody can do enough good things. How many know God's kindness? And that's how we come before the Lord today. Not because we're better than anybody else. We just simply have said yes to the offer, offer of our Heavenly Father, our Creator, our Sustainer, our Judge one day. We've said yes to Him and we're hiding at the cross. And that's what communion we celebrated today. Paul the Apostle said these words, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. The scene is in the upper room when he's with his disciples. They'd eaten the meal and he took a loaf of bread and he, he broke it. It's called communion. It's called the Lord's Supper. It's called the Eucharist. When he'd given thanks, Jesus broke that bread and he said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
So could we pray now, before we take the bread, that God would, at a deeper level, help us understand His love for us, and it would provoke us to live for Him. Lord, today we ask You to let a spirit of revelation come on us of truly what this means, this symbol in our hands, that God's not mad at me anymore, that I don't have to bear my shame and my guilt, that God loves me, that no sin is so bad that God can't forgive me, that God offers me a brand new start when I'm born again. And you did this because you loved us. And ask you to bless this bread, and if there's any sick in our midst, I pray they'd be healed. God, any trouble in their soul, I pray they'd find peace. And bless this bread in Jesus' name. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper. And Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant, our new promise between God and man in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, communion is a look backwards at Calvary. It's a look today at the way that I'm living my life and my perhaps need to repent, get on track and stay on track, receive forgiveness. And you don't earn God's forgiveness. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that simply means I'm agreeing with God today. I'm agreeing with God's word that his ways are right. And when I mess up, I ask for his forgiveness. You don't have to beat yourself up. By faith, you receive it. But the Bible also teaches that we want to forgive people who've sinned against us. Jesus himself, after the Lord's Prayer, said, If you forgive men their sins, your Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive them, no forgiveness for you. So take just a moment and people that have hurt you, uh, taken advantage of you, lied to you, divorced you, raped you, stolen from you, just say, Lord, I forgive them in Jesus' name. And the last thing communion reminds us of is we're proclaiming Jesus' death until he comes. Can you lift your hand to heaven? Because Jesus is coming again, and he's not coming back as a baby in a manger. Come on, he's coming back as the King of kings and as the Lord of lords. And I want to be found ready and watchful and waiting for my King. Lord, bless this cup today. Let us live lives that are worthy of this great calling. We bless you and we thank you that you're in control of this crazy old world, and we're going to live for you all our days in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hey, why don't you stand back to your feet? We're going to worship with another song.
touch your heart this morning, that he would lead you closer to him. Closer to you. Come on, somebody, give him some praise in this place this morning. He's so worthy. Amen. Why don't you turn around and greet two or three people in the house of the Lord and tell them how happy you are to see him. here in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through small groups, classes, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the connect room where you'll receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our Saturday night meal and snacks between our Sunday morning services. Also, the coffee bar is always open. so glad you're here and we hope that you know there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Join us this Wednesday night for our night of refreshing, a time of worship and personal ministry. This will be our final night of refreshing before we begin Wednesday night classes, so don't miss out on this powerful night of ministry. Next Saturday night, we will celebrate the 4th of July with a free hamburger and hot dog meal after the Saturday night service. Invite some friends and come celebrate Independence Day with your Church on the Rock family. SUM Bible College is training up leaders to serve in the five-fold ministry. What if we could provide you with a relevant and fresh tool that will greatly bless you financially, increase your volunteer force, and also multiply your church? And the greatest part about it is that it won't cost you anything and it won't take up a great deal of your time. This unique resource is currently training up leadership in the 21st century. Pastor Shane Warren, one of America's most respected Christian leaders, would love to take a moment to share his heart with you. I can promise you it will be so worth the time that you invest to hear our hearts. This could potentially be the best decision you've ever made for you and your ministry. If you are interested in hearing more about how we can help you fulfill your vision and raise up dynamic Christian leadership, please contact us today. Amen. Well, welcome to Church on the Rock. You doing good this morning? Man, you're looking good. We are so glad that you're here. You just saw the announcement. This is actually our SUM launch weekend. And I don't know if you uh, haven't been hearing or watching the videos for the last few months, but we are launching a Bible school and seminary this fall. How many people are excited about that? I'm excited. Uh, it's been Pastor John's vision for a long time to have a Bible school and seminary where we can raise up, train, and equip, and ultimately send out the next generation of leaders and pastors. And I'm telling you, we're so excited about what God's doing. And we've partnered with, with sum.edu. We have a few of the representatives here with us today to answer questions later. But also, they want to address this. This is Kristen Cook, and this is uh, Dr. Coates. 
Can we give them a warm welcome? Morning. As he said, my name is Dr. Coates. I'm the Chief Academic Officer from SUM. I live in, in Oakland, California, where our main campus is. We provide uh, Bible college education through local churches. By partnering with local churches through an audio and video classroom, virtual classroom, you can receive a Bible college education right here with practical hands-on ministry that you will do right here in your local church. It's affordable, and we'd love to have a, spend a few more minutes a little bit later telling you about that after the Sunday morning service. SUM has a 9 out of 10 placement rate for our graduates. It means 9 out of 10 of our graduates are placed in ministry and are still in ministry today over the past 25 years. We've been fortunate enough to have your worship leader, Pastor Nick, be one of our students for the past year. I had him in class. Uh, for 20 bucks, I'll tell you true stories about Nick if you want. For 40 bucks, I'll make him up if you see me afterwards. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Nick was, we had a great time in, in class together. And one of our advisors from West Monroe, Louisiana, Kristen Cook, is here to tell you about that service, uh, the launch information a little bit later. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see your guys and your faces this morning. We are so excited to be here with you this weekend. Um, it is our honor to come and partner with you guys and serve you guys in any way that you need. Um, we are excited to say that we have a meeting set up just for those of you that are interested in learning more about the school. It's immediately following the service at 1230 in the Connect Cafe. And we would love for you to come and let us answer your questions, help answer specific questions to your situation, and you can get more information. So thank you guys so much. And we look forward to seeing you after the service. Amen. Thank you. SUM is uh, here to train people in a five-fold ministry, be prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, and apostles. And we do that uh, through partnering here, and we're so excited about that partnership. It's about answering the call of God to full-time ministry. One year ago, I sat with my parents at their 50th wedding anniversary, and I'd driven the three hours north from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to talk to them. And I knew while I was there, I had to tell them that I was moving to Oakland, California to take the job I currently have. And I knew that if I could just tell them it's about the call of God, that they would receive that. If God has been tapping you on the shoulder saying, I want you in full-time ministry, we would love to talk to you after the service this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, I am really excited because Wednesday night, I get to introduce to you one of my new friends. Her name is Teresa Rickenbacker, and she is starting a ministry in Kilgore, Texas called uh, uh, Rahab's Retreat and Ranch. And we as a church get an opportunity to partner with her rescuing women from the sex trafficking. She has a 130-bed facility that will be opening up in the next month. And we as a church are adopting one of the rooms and also wanting to send ministers, wanting to help support these women coming off the streets. So come Wednesday night to service, and you will meet Teresa. Hear her testimony, how God delivered her, saved her, and how she is now opening up this ministry. I hope to see you Wednesday night. Amen. Man, there's some exciting things going on at our church, right? How many people are happy that you're a part of a great church? Amen. Man, I am. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. We are going to uh, look at an offering uh, story. And I'm not going to read this whole story, but this story is very interesting. It's a story about David basically supplying the needs to Solomon to build the temple of the Lord. And if you read that story, there's two amounts of money that David, or two amounts of different things that David gathers. He gathers one amount of gold and silver and different things, basically uh, everything that was required to build this temple. Um, 
And the second amount, David actually goes to his own bank account and he gets his own gold and his own silver. It's kind of an extra gift that he gives just out of his own heart. And as a Christian, I think it's easy for us to take away two important principles in this story. And you can read the story later in 1 Chronicles 29. But number one, God is calling us to do the required. The required as Christians is tithing. Say tithing. We've learned over the course of the last few weeks that God does it. uh, It's not giving when we bring our tithe. We return the tithe to God because it's God to begin with. And secondly, I think a principle that we can take away from David is this. David went above and beyond. He gave an extra. And that's what offering is. How many people know you can't give an offering until you've given a tithe? Amen? Oh, okay. (laughs) Anyways, that's what the Bible says. And here's what I want to encourage us with. We're a church that we give our tithes, we give our offerings. And Tyler, if you'll throw up verse 6, look what happens after the people see David's extravagant giving. It says, the leaders of the fathers, the houses uh, made their freewill offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. What happened was the people saw David's extravagant giving, and they said, you know what, we're going to give as well. And how many people know a great testimony to have is people look at our lives, they look at how we're blessed to give, they look at how joyful we are, and it encourages them to be a giver. Listen, this house is a giving house. This house is a house that is a beacon of light for other people to see what's in us, to see God in us, to see how God blesses us, and to see how we're cheerful givers. Three things I want to challenge you with. Let's tithe, let's give offerings, and let's be an example to people so that they'll be blessed by God. Amen? Amen. just close your eyes and just say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Let him just hear you say it. Thank you for loving me. And Lord, I just want to say that I love you. I was not taught to say that as a child, but I say it now every day. He's my heavenly father, my Lord, my savior. And I want to say that I love you. Could we just say, Lord, we welcome your presence here. We do, Lord. Why don't you say that for your own life? Because God's not a faraway God. He's not hiding. He's not distant, but we want him to be near to us. Lord, we want to sense your presence. Nothing mystical, weird, spooky, but the reality of the living God. 
welcome Holy Spirit today. Welcome today, but we just invite you to be welcome all throughout the week in our lives. At work, at home, traveling in the car, wherever we go. We just ask you to be near. In Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Hey, give your neighbor a high five. Tell them they are looking great today. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you today. This is my second week back uh, in the pulpit. I hope I'm not rusty, but I've been gone a while. I had a, uh, well, thank you. But I had a health problem that just kept me kind of on the down low for a while, but I'm doing much better. And I started last week a series called Problems and Promises. Problems and Promises. And the heartbeat of that was basically I'm sharing a bit of my testimony, what I went through and what I learned in the experience I had the last few months. We're going to be looking and I'll be sharing with you the fact that I found that it was a promise of God. It was the Word of God. It was God Himself that helped me through the most difficult time of my adult life. And I want to share with you some things that I learned so you can apply them in your life when you're facing problems that are a little bit too big for you. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court's ruling on same-sex marriage. I'm going to do my best to give you a biblical portrait of how you and I as believers should live, how we should respond to, to people, how we should speak the truth in love and what that means in our world today. Um, anyway, so I'll get into that next week. But I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, this morning's message is called Supernatural Power. Supernatural power. First Peter chapter 5. This was the verse that I read when I was uh, on my sabbatical. It was April 15th. It was in our Bible reading, our Bible God. We keep one in the back of the chair. Uh, there's one on our phone app. And I read this scripture that morning. And when I read it, it was as if God was speaking to me. Have you ever been reading through the Bible and it's almost like there's a flashlight or blinking light showing around a scripture and you just sense the Lord speaking directly into a situation in your life? Well, the Bible would call that a rhema word, a now word. The Greek words for the word word, W-O-R-D, one is logos, the written word, and one is rhema. Rhema, R-H-E-M-A, it means a now word, a living word. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me through this passage. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 the context is the, 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 the people of, the, of their day that Peter's writing to are experiencing persecution, like we see Christians around the world experience today and likely in our own lives if we're dedicated Christians in the days ahead. But people that are kind of beaten down and excluded by the world, here's what he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself, it means to bring yourself low. It means to trust God in the midst of your problems and, and trying times. Don't give up on God. God is still mighty even though bad things are happening. I mean, we live in an evil world. Adam and Eve gave us this, and the problems affect even believers. But then he said that at the proper time, God may exalt you. In other words, this word exalt means at the right timing, in God's timing, God's going to help you get victory over the things that are bringing you down and causing you heartache. And he says, cast all your anxieties on him, your worries, your fears. Cast means like taking your coat off and letting someone else hold it because he cares for you. Now, in the midst of my trouble, not being able to fix what was broken in my life, when I read that God cares for me, I knew it in my head, but it slipped down into my heart. How I many know God's care for us doesn't mean we won't have problems? 
but we can find the care of God in the midst of our problems. But then he says this. He makes a spiritual connection. He said, be sober-minded and be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I knew I was that someone in that particular season. He was trying to take me out. Now, verse 9, it tells us to resist him. How many know when you're at your lowest moment, the last thing you want to do is spiritually push back? But the Bible says push back. The Bible says resist him firm in your faith. Because the great prize is your faith. And I don't just mean your confession or your belief in God. I mean your willingness to continue to believe God in the midst of the troubles. Your willingness to continue to follow and serve God when everything else may be falling apart. Your confident walk with God each day. Satan wants to take that from you. Knowing the same kind of sufferings being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. Now, verse 10 was the promise. Verse 10 was the revelation as if God was speaking to me. And he said, after you suffered a little while, when I read that, I began to realize that my suffering was not going to define the rest of my life. My downtime was not going to define me the rest of my life, but it was going to be for a little while because the God of all grace who called me to his eternal glory will himself, say it with me, restore me, confirm me, strengthen and establish me. In other words, God told me that day that even though I couldn't pick myself up, even though I didn't have the ability to control what was going on in me, God did, and God was going to bring me out of the pit. Well, I want to tell you, that scripture is the basis of this series, and it became life to me. It was an anchor in the storm of my life. I survived my darkest hour. I had a great doctor. I had a great counselor, and they helped, but they didn't take care of the problem. I needed something bigger than what a person could give me. Come on, I needed God to help me. And I'm standing in front of you today saying God did help me, and if he helped me, he'll help you. Now, we want to go deeper today, and I want to show you how faith in God's Word can release supernatural power in your life. Let me say it again. Faith in God's Word can release supernatural power in your life. Literally, God coming to help you in the midst of your trouble. And again, I've called it supernatural power. And the first point, I, I want to tell you two things today. And the first broad thing I want to tell you is that God's Word has supernatural power. Now, when we say God's Word, how many know God communicates His Word to us in different ways? Now, the first and most important way is through the written Word. It's through the Bible. But sometimes a Bible verse can become a rhema. Remember when I told you last week how, or actually before my sabbatical, when I was in the midst of this trying time, knowing I needed to get away to rest. And how many know sometimes rest is the most spiritual thing you can do? That's why every one of us needs to practice a weekly day, a Sabbath rest before God. But sometimes we need extended seasons of rest in our life. And that was important. But when I got out of bed one morning, it's as if I heard an audible voice. Now, it was not a voice that I heard with these ears, but in my heart, in my spirit, that place where God connections are made, I heard this voice say, when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That was a raiment. What that meant to me was, is this is not going to define me forever, and there'll be a time when I'm serving the Lord again, and it became like a life preserver. If you're drowning in the water and you're saying, help, 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 and somebody throws you a, a life preserver, you hold on to it and it keeps you from going under. Well, that's what that word did to me and that's one way God communicates to us. How I many know the way that we know the difference between right and wrong is through the Bible? The difference that we know between truth and error is through the Bible. 
That's why America's confused today about so many things because as a nation, we've thrown the Bible away. Well, how many know you may try to throw the Bible away, but you can't throw God away. Come on. He's bigger than all this. So don't let fear get on you because of the world we live in today. Come on, the Bible says lift up your heads because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. But God also speaks to us through prophecy. Prophecy in the Bible is intended to encourage, to help, to edify, not just predictive. Before I left on my sabbatical, someone told me, they came up to me that I respected, and they said, God woke me up last night and told me to give you this word. Man, how many know not everything that someone says is God is God? I've heard some weird things with God's name on it that won the Lord. And on the flip side, I have heard some wonderful things, come on, that God used another person to communicate to me that helped lift me up. And he told me a little bit about God's perspective on my suffering, told me I was like Job. I want to tell you, I read that thing multiple times when I was away, when I was looking for hope. God can speak through us through the gifts of the Spirit, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. He can speak to you through a vision. And I don't mean where you, you know, cross your legs on the floor and had an out-of-body experience. I just mean the Bible is filled with it. In our Bible reading yesterday, day before, Peter is on a roof praying, and he has a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven. And through that vision, the Gentiles are introduced to the church. God might speak to you through a dream. Now, I'm fully aware most dreams are pizza and ice cream dreams, but some of them are God dreams. You know, he may speak to you through that, what I'll call the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And why should this surprise us? Because Jesus said when he left, the Holy Spirit would come and he would guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit would speak to us about things to come. So God is a communicating God. And what I want to share with you, though, that God's word, when it comes, has power to it. It has power to change circumstances and power to change us. It has power to give us hope when we're hopeless. It has power to give us answers when we're seeking. It has power to change what's going on, come on, if we'll continue to believe on Him. Now, let's see this in the Bible. Matthew chapter 4. Again, the first point, God's Word has supernatural power. Jesus here, early in His ministry, is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Well, that's kind of odd to me. Here we've got wilderness and temptation, but, but it's there. After 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. In my opinion, that's the greatest understatement in the Bible. How many know after three or four hours, you get hungry and I get hungry? Well, this was a supernatural fast, but I want you to see verse 3. In his weakest moment, the tempter came to him. Who's this tempter? Yeah. Now, I want you to think about this. Either the devil literally appeared to him, It's possible that he literally transported him to these places, or it could be that Jesus saw a spiritual vision. It could be that Jesus had a thought, and Satan was somehow feeding his mind. We'll talk about that more in the days to come. But notice now, the tempter said, if you're the Son of God, kind of sounds like Eve, doesn't it, In, in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say? If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered what? Now, what does that mean? Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8.3. He quoted the fifth book of the, of the Old Testament. He quoted the Bible when he was in the midst of spiritual attack. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5, the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on his highest point of the temple. And now the devil quotes the Bible. He quoted, though, Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, and I won't go into it, but but he left out a key part of it. 
He said this, the devil took him to the mountain and said, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He'll command his angels concerning you. They'll lift you up in their hands so you'll not strike your foot against a stone. Again, misquoted, left out some of it. I mean, the devil will, through people sometimes, misquote the Bible. Just because somebody gives the Bible verse doesn't mean that it's appropriate or in context or applicable. But anyway, what did Jesus say, though, verse 7? Jesus said, again, he quotes Deuteronomy now, 6.16. And he says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. So the third time, the devil comes after him again, takes him to a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, he says, all this will I give you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, get out of here, bud. Away from me, Satan, because... Now, why are we reading this lengthy passage? Because if Jesus faced spiritual opposition with the Word of God, shouldn't we as well? If Jesus engaged in a spiritual battle with spiritual words from God's holy Word, shouldn't we do the same? Why? Because there's power in these words. Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. And then the devil left him and angels came and ministered to him. Now I suggest to you the greatest warfare that we have is in our mind. That's why the Bible says we're to take every thought captive. And we're going to talk about that in lengthy fashion in a few weeks. But from this passage we learn a couple of things. First of all, we learn spiritual warfare is real. Now, there's two extremes that you can have of this. Some people are on the extreme that there's a devil behind every door. Well, I want to tell you this. They just see devils everywhere. Well, the other people on the flip side, they, to me, influenced by the humanist, the secularist, who says there is no God, there are no demons, there are no devils. Even religious people will say, well, those were just stories before people were educated as we are today. If you don't believe there's demons in America going on today, you're nuts. Come on, how can, a, how can a young man, 20 years of age, go into a church with a gun and kill people after a prayer meeting? I want to tell you, friend, there's a spiritual influence going on in his life. We'll look at that further. The second thing I want you to learn from this is the Word of God is a spiritual sword to fight the devil with. It's a spiritual sword because the Word of God carries God's authority. Satan backs down at God's authority, not at my yelling or not from his pity for me. But it's at the authority of God. You see, um, we learned last week, Ephesians 6, where it talks about the armor of God, how we fight, and the picture there is of the Roman soldier. And Ephesians six seventeen says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Now, why is that? It's because the Word of God has spiritual power. And my hope today is that I can change the way you look at your Bible. For some, we look at the Bible as a source of right and wrong, of truth, of theology, of history, and it is, but it's more than that. It is supernatural. Uh, we learned Hebrews 4.12 last week. The Word of God is... Say it with me. When I do this, it doesn't mean I'm scratching my ears or anything or trying to be a, you know, Dumbo the elephant. It means I want to hear from you. It is It is living. It is active. It is powerful. Yeah, sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, sharper for what? Sharper to do something inside of us and outside of us because it has power. Now, let me illustrate this for you. A couple years ago, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
It, and for 10 days, it was, it was the most tumultuous days. I mean, we were like on a ship at sea, a little bitty duck hunting boat on, a, on the river, on the, on the water of the lake when it's white camping. And we're just doing this, not knowing where God is. People were telling us everything from, you know, drink goat's milk and tomato juice to, to uh, no, it was carrot juice to, you know, don't go to this doctor and go to this one. And my sister, I mean, they were all trying to help us. Don't get me wrong. But the more people talked, and the more confused we were. You know, but I was reading my Bible. Now, I've been a Christian over 35 years, and I'm not perfect, and don't say amen. But <laughs> one practice that I've had in my Christian life is almost every day of my life, I read my Bible, and I take some time to pray. Every day of my life. Right now, I read, to, I read it this morning, the Bible, God, not for my sermon, but for me as a Christian, as a son of God, for God to speak to me, to feed me. For God to lift me spiritually. And I read my Bible every day. Well, that day was no different. I'm reading through the Bible, God, just like I asked you to. It's in the back of your chair. It's on the phone app. I'm reading my Bible. My wife has cancer. We don't know what to do, what hospital to go to, all these things. And we're reading 2 Samuel 18. And it was not in context of a sick person. It was in context of Absalom being killed. He was the one in rebellion coming to take David's throne. And a runner is coming back. And the runner cries out to the king, all is well. And I can't tell you, but something spiritual happened inside me. We would lay in our bed at night and hold hands and just tears would be coming down our because we just we we were just we didn't and where is God in that? But then you hear this this voice, this word, this impression, all is well. And I can tell you from experience, from that time, fear gave way to peace. And there was a covering, an umbrella of hope over every drop of rain that fell on us. You say, wow, you're just, you know, you're just weak and, you know, you just, you just don't have strength to face things. You're exactly right. And you don't either. Oh, you can go a little ways in life if you've got money and health, but one day your heart's going to stop beating, your lungs are going to quit working, you're going to go in the doctor's office, you're going to hear something you don't want to hear, you look up in front of you because you've been texting on your phone, please don't do that while you drive, and some car is veered across the interstate and... Just like that, you cannot live perpetually. The only way to live eternally is through the cross of Jesus Christ. Come on, that he can pick me up when I am falling apart and cannot control myself. That's what Christianity is about. And sooner or later, we all get there. And when God speaks all is well, listen, that doesn't mean it quit. I wish she'd have had an instantaneous miracle. But she didn't. She went through it. Just like the Apostle Paul did in 2 Corinthians 1 and said the same comfort I've received from God in my troubles, I am going to bring comfort to other people. And people call Linnell all the time when they face this thing. Now, why does this surprise us that God's Word has spiritual power? Doesn't 2 Timothy 3 say all Scripture is inspired by God? It is breathed out by God? Isn't that means that it's, the Bible is different than any other book? Listen to these words, 2 Peter 1.4. God has granted to us precious and very great promises. What does that mean? It means a word from God that God speaks. So through them you may be what? Partakers of the divine nature. 
A bit ambiguous. It means to take on God's nature. It means to be a new creation. So somehow God's Word has supernatural power to change me spiritually. James 1.21 says, Receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to... So a Bible verse... When I'm 19 years of age, I'm joining the military to get away from my problems, but actually I'm running into the hand of God. A Gideon stands before me, gives his testimony, and says, Jesus Christ can change your life. To the best of my recollection, he quoted John 3.16. I'd learned it in Sunday school, but it never became an implanted word. But that day it became an implanted word. I devoured that little Gideon's Bible that he gave me. And on August 15, 1976, I said, Jesus, would you forgive me for my sins? Would you make me? a brand new person. I commit my life to you. Would you take me by the hand and give me a brand new life? And I want to tell you, he did, my friends. I went from a wild hoodlum doing things I'm not going to tell you right now, but you just think through the list, and I did most of them, and all of a sudden, I was going this way, and something pulled me that way. And it was the love of God. See, you say, how did that happen? The Word of God has supernatural power. Now, here's the second thing I want to tell you. Faith and acting upon God's Word releases spiritual power. Let me say it again. It takes faith and acting on God's Word to release this spiritual power. Let's say you have a, a, a bronchial infection, and uh, there's a bacteria in your coughing and hacking and all that, and you go to the doctor, and the doctor, you know, she says, here, take this. A lot of it's going around. Take these antibiotics. And it'll make it go away. You go to the pharmacist, you get your, you get your antibiotic, you put them in your pocket, and you go, now I'm going to be okay. You're not going to be okay, come on, until you put the pill in your mouth. God was the one that gave the, uh, helped the researcher unlock the mystery behind the bacteria and the drug. But if you don't do something with it, it won't affect you. You have to act on God's Word. Now, let me illustrate it. Luke chapter 5, verse 2. Jesus is, is uh, uh, early in his ministry. He's calling disciples. He's preaching by the lake. He sees two boats there, but the fishermen were washing their nets. Now, fishermen in their day, their nets were not monofilament nets like we have today where, you know, uh, fluorocarbon, fluorocarbon lines so the fish can't see it. It was bulky fabric, and they would fish at night because at nighttime the net would go in the water and the fish couldn't see it as well. I mean, how many know fish aren't stupid? And all the fishermen said, yeah, it could see. So he fished all night long, and then they're getting these nets out, and they've got, you know, sticks, and they've got grass and bones and just junk in them. Well, they've cleaned them up. Well, that took a little while to clean these nets. When I look at verse 3, Jesus gets into one of the boats. He sits down, teaches the people. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. He was up all night long. Jesus, in case you didn't know, is a rabbi. Peter is a professional fisherman. And you just don't catch as much at night I mean, in the day, as you do at night. So, do you ever find sometimes that God may be, to your natural mind, illogical? It may go counter to your experience, counter to reason. 
It doesn't mean God is unreasonable. It just means that you might have fished all night, but Jesus knows exactly where the school of fish is, but you've got to do something. But notice what Peter, Peter said. Master, we fished all night and took nothing, but at your Yeah, because you said so, I'll let down the nets. When he did this, he put his nets back into the boat. People are looking, wondering, laughing at him. He paddles back out there. They drop them in and they catch so many fish, their nets are breaking. Now, Peter exercised faith. If he hadn't exercised faith, he'd have gone home hungry that day. And it takes faith in God's Word to release spiritual power. I'm preaching better than you're amening now. The same thing happened when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water. He said, oh, you don't believe that happened. Well, sure I do. The person that created the laws that govern the universe can suspend them whenever he wants to. Matthew 14, 28. Jesus now has been preaching. Uh, he stayed to pray. The disciples paddling across the, the sea. Uh, they're scared to death. Jesus says, don't worry, it's me. And here, look at the scripture. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Now, the only problem is you've got to get out of the boat if you're going to walk on the water. And you've fished all your life. You've probably seen people drown. You could have been in a capsized boat. You could have spent a night on... You just know that what you're about to do is impossible. But how many know what's impossible with man is possible with God? And faith can open those doors into the impossible. Well, he did it. And I suggest to you that he was not going to walk on the water, but he was walking on a word. He had faith in a word, and it was like some saran wrap that you couldn't see. But Peter saw it. He got out of the boat, walked on the water. But verse 30, it changed. He saw the wind. Now reason takes over. He was afraid. It became spiritual. He began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus catches him by the hand, and what did Jesus say? You're the only person that's ever walked on the water before. He looked at this guy that had guts, but he said, your faith stopped. And when your faith stopped, you sank. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? This same thing, and I'm trying to bring this point home today. You have to act on God's Word to release spiritual power. Remember the blind man of John chapter 9 came to Jesus for healing, and Jesus said, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Well, what would have happened if he'd have gone home? Nothing. What would have happened if he'd have got the water hose? Well, they didn't have water hose, but what would have happened if he'd have just had somebody dump some water on him? Nothing. He'd have just gotten wet. But he didn't. He went and washed and came home seeing. What's happening here? Faith and acting on God's Word releases spiritual power. Now, let me share a little testimony, real-life experience for me the last couple months. I had a chemical imbalance that was, that was probably most likely due to an adrenaline was not being regulated in my body. Now, adrenaline is, uh, adrenaline is the stuff that gives you the fight-or-flight response. That's a gift from God, the way God created us chemically. You know, when they say evolution, man evolved, evolution sure was pretty smart, wasn't it? I mean, evolution designed men and women so that they could have the, uh, oh gosh, you know, so that they could have what it takes to produce babies, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you had to be pretty smart to think through that process. 
I mean, if you just think evolution created things, they try to give evolution, they accredit it with the wisdom, come on, and the knowledge that only a, a God, a deliberate, omnipotent, all-powerful God has. But I want to tell you, friends, um, he created us with this fight-or-flight response. So if you see a snake, if somebody slams on the brakes in front of you, you, you react quickly, your heart rate picks up, your blood pressure picks up, chemicals are going on in your body to make this happen. Well, whenever you have this fight-or-flight, you've got to move and do something. My problem, though, my body wasn't regulated, and it would be going on me sitting in front of the television set, and I would want to just get away. It would be going on when I was driving a car, and I'd want to stop the car and not drive. It would be going on in me, and I didn't want to go to a restaurant, and if I was there, I wanted to leave. Took my, life, my wife to a rodeo when we were on our, our, our little getaway, and I couldn't stay longer than an hour, and it was pretty cool what I saw, but I said, honey, I just can't. i got to get out of here. Now, you may think you're weak. Yeah, yeah, I was, and I didn't know how to get out of it. Again, now, doctor's doing the best he knows how to do. I went to Mississippi. It was where my folks live. I was going to farm with my dad for three weeks during the little getaway and turkey hunt and just have fun. I was there a week, and I, was, I, was in, I, I just couldn't handle it. I just said, Linnell, you have to take me back. I have to see the doctor. He has to do something. I just, I just cannot function. Well, when I came back, I also went to see a counselor. Now, how many know you can't let pride step in your way? If you need help, you need help. But it was a Christian counselor. And listen, there's some things that a secular counselor can help you with, but there's other things that they're going to give you wrong advice because they were trained in stupid, and they're giving you stupid. Now listen, I applaud them for their education, but you can have a Ph.D. and be a post-hole digger and not be very smart. I mean, Ph.D. I went to see a Christian counselor, and I was just expecting them to just pat me on the back and just say, oh, you know, you're nice and you're going to be okay. But they tell me that. They said... You have let your feelings be in control rather than your faith. Now, wait a minute. I had tried, and I had prayed, and I, had, I just I read my Bible every day during this time. I prayed more than I've ever prayed. It was not helping, but somehow I just finally surrendered to the feelings, and they said, listen, we walk by faith and not by sight. And I realized I had like kinked a hose, and no wonder I didn't have any water pressure in my life anymore because this feeling was so pronounced, I shut God out of my life. Now, I still believe. But I had to start acting. So when it was time to go somewhere, I said, I would pray. And I said, Lord, I told Linnell, I'm going to drive. Was it hard? (laughs) Yeah, for a little while. But it's not hard anymore. You say, well, why was it hard for you to drive a car? Because I passed out one day because they gave me the wrong medicine and I was driving a car when I passed out. And your body remembers things. And I passed out in a restaurant when they gave me some more medicine that didn't work. A friend was here at first service that, uh, <laughs> that was with me. And your body remembers things. So I just pray, and before I know it, I like to go out and eat again. In the midst of my dark time, Satan was whispering a lie to me, and his lie was this. You'll never be able to do your son's wedding. So by faith, when I'm at my lowest point, I start preparing my notes for my son's wedding. And two weeks ago, I did his wedding. I'm just telling you, faith is required to make this connection. It's like a plug. You know, you can have a, an appliance that needs, to, it needs power to work, and until you plug it in the wall, nothing's going to happen. Well, that's, that's what we're talking about here. And after a while, faith becomes reality, and bad feelings turn into good feelings. Now, your faith will sustain you. Faith, listen, I wish I could tell you that it just got better overnight. It took several months. 
But wasn't the promise that I read you in Peter, didn't it say, after you've suffered a little while, then the God, come on, will restore you. Now, I want to tell you, I am deeper in my spiritual life today than I was six months ago. That doesn't mean that I didn't pray and read my Bible back then. I did. But I'm telling you, a crisis can make you draw close to God or make you give up on God because Satan wants your faith. Don't give it to him. Let me give you some practical advice for your walk of faith. And here's the first one. Uh, I want to encourage you to read God's Word daily and ask God to speak to you. Now, again, I'm not talking about weirdness and spookiness, and, but I'm just talking about an expectation to believe if this word was breathed out by God, come on, that it's got something to say to you in the midst of your struggling marriage, bankrupt business. It's got something to say to you in the midst of your depression, in the midst of your kids gone crazy. God has something he wants to say. But if you don't open it and read it, listen, it's not going to do any good. Amen. Not many of you said amen then. Here's the second thing I'd say journal. Write down what you read and then meditate on God's Word. Meditate like a cow chewing her cud, chewing that grass to be able to digest it. Listen, I read not only the Bible, God, the two chapters, but I would read some more because I was desperate. And when I would get something that really was speaking to where I was, I just kept a little journal in my phone and Evernote and I'd write things down like this. Um, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He's their stronghold in time of trouble. Now, mind you, i got a little gravel driveway. It's a circular deal, so I'm walking around, and I'm just reading these verses out loud. You've given me relief when I was in distress. The Lord hears when I call to Him. And nothing's going on out here, but something's going on in here. I will hope continually and praise you more and more. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. You brought up my soul from the grave, and you restored me to life. I'm reading this out loud when none of this is going on. In my feelings, but how many know we walk by faith and not by sight? That's the second thing. Write this down, confess it, say it. And here's a, a big one now. It's a real big one. You need to confess and speak out loud what you believe. Amen. Something happens to me when my ears hear what my heart believes. You can ask my wife this, but there, there was a period of time when she'd say, Oh, she was listening to my strength, and she'd say every day, How are you doing? And for a long time, I'd say, not real good, because I'm honest. I might as well think you might as well say it as it is. But then I shifted a little bit. She says, how are you doing? I said, I'm better today than I was yesterday, and I'll be better tomorrow than I am today. You say, ooh, that's good positive thinking. No, because I read in Psalm 41, listen, blessed is the one who considers the poor and the weak. And on a personal level, and as your pastor, we do a lot for helping, and I do a lot for poor people and needy people. Now listen to this. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed, and in his illness, you will restore him to full health. In his illness, you will restore him to full health. If you care for the poor and the weak in your illness, God will restore you to full health. That's why I would say to Linnell, I'm better today than I was yesterday, not because the chart tells me, not because the doctor tells me, not because the reading tells me, of the, but because God's Word has given me something to hope in, and I'll be better tomorrow than I am today because there's spiritual power in the Word of God that can be released when you have faith in it. Now, let me give you the fourth thing. Act on what you believe you got to get behind the steering wheel again. You may be only able to drive for 10 minutes or 20 minutes. 10 minutes is better than sitting in the corner living in fear. 
giving the devil victory. you got to act on what you believe. Just like Peter would not have caught one fish if he had not let down his nets. And the other lie that I was believing was Satan would whisper in my ear and tell me, you'll never pastor again. You will not stand behind that pulpit again. Well, I'm here to tell you today, after I prepared my son's wedding sermon, I started working on this sermon series. I didn't start on it last week. I started on it when I was listening to a lie saying, you'll never stand in front of the God's people again. I'm telling you, God's Word has power, but it takes faith and action to see that power released. Now, let me wrap up here. How do you get a word from God? It sounds pretty easy, but can I tell you, it is not always easy. I go through things all the time, and I may go weeks or months not knowing exactly what and when God wants me to do. I have been praying for more building space for years right now, and we need it desperately. And I'm going to give you a little update as soon as I'm able to get a hand of all the facts. I left, and I told the architect to work on a first phase for us, so something that just see what a minimum is going to be to start this thing with. And it was more money than we had and probably more money than I felt comfortable borrowing. And I hadn't heard a word from God yet, but I'm waiting to hear the exact word from God. Come on, because God has a plan and God has timing. But here's the scripture I want to leave you with about getting a word from God. Now, this is a promise, Deuteronomy 4. Moses gave to the children of Israel 700 years before they needed it. He predicted a time when they would go in captivity because of their sin. And here's what he said. He said, from there, your place of captivity, you will seek the Lord your God and you'll find him if you go to church on Sunday morning. You'll find him if you say grace or prayer before your meal. Now, both of those are good things. He said, you'll find him if you search after him with all your heart and all your soul. I'm telling you... I heard some things from God after I had spent not just 15 minutes in a devotion time, but during my little getaway time, after I'd been at it for two hours. Come on now. After I'd read, after I'd prayed, uh, after I had watched a TV preacher, after I'd called their prayer helpline, I'm telling you, you get seeking God deeper when you don't have the answers to what's going on. And you're at, when you're at your wit's end, when you're at the end of your rope, I'm telling you, the Bible promises you, you can find God because God is not looking, if you, uh, not hiding. If you get serious, about God, you're going to find the promise in James come to pass, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You say, Pastor, how do you feel about this Supreme Court decision and all that? Well, we'll talk about it next week, but I'm kind of happy actually. And the reason I'm happy is because God is in control of all this mess. I'm not happy because of what the, the, they, the way they decided. I'm not happy because of persecution on the horizon. I'm happy because God is still the God of this universe. I'm happy because my life is hidden with God in Christ. I'm happy that he who began the good work in me, he's going to bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Yeah, but what if and what if? So what what if? He is still God and King. I've got a few days on this earth. Come on. I'm going to spend all eternity with him. So... Until then, I'm just going to serve God all my days, and I'm going to live out his purpose for my life. Come on. He's worthy of our praise. Well, my time's up. Why don't you stand to your feet today? and let's, uh, Before you turn off now, and listen, I hope any of you that are contemplating going in ministry, Bible school, whatever, just go to that cafe for just a couple minutes and, and let us connect just a bit. But, but don't turn off yet. Don't think about lunch. How many have heard somebody's stomach growling next to you?
All right. Just turn it off. Just one. Just, just, just give us five minutes here. Because I, I want you to ask the Lord, say, now what are you saying to me? See, preaching is not just a tradition we go through. You should expect to hear God talk to you when the Bible is open. Could you just bow your head just a moment and just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? The splendor of what does it mean? The King. What do I need to do? I'm clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. Because he wraps himself in light. Oh, in darkness to rise too high. It trembles at his voice. Slip your hands down. It trembles oh, at great his king. voice. And the hybrid, he is our God. Well, Lord, we just simply want to say yes to you. Whatever the Holy Spirit prompts us to do today, tomorrow, and the next day, we just want to say yes as obedient servants. I dare say, Lord, that many of us in this room today have been nudged by the Holy Spirit because we've been neglecting our devotion time. We've been neglecting our Bible time. And I just want to pray that every one of us would have new resolve today, that every day I'm opening my Bible, every day I'm spending time with God. Number one, welcome Holy Spirit today. I want to close with a personal opportunity for prayer. We'll sing one song and go home. But if you're here today and if you have a need in your life, listen, let us pray for you. Nothing's too small for God. If it bothers you, listen, it bothers him. He wants to help you. Maybe in prayer you can cast your burden on the Lord and he'll help you. Maybe you're here today and you're in a real desperate time and you desperately need to hear from God. Maybe your first and best step is come up, let somebody pray for you and just tell them and just say, I need God to speak to me and I, I want you to pray that I would get serious in this area of my life spiritually. But whatever it may be, we'll pray, friends. If you're sick in your body, anything, we'll believe God with you. But the most important thing we'd like to pray about is your eternal soul. Maybe you're here today and you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell if you died. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Friend, it can start for you just like it started for me on August 15, 1976. You may need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Somebody will pray with you. They'll talk to you about turning your back on your old life and following Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you've gotten away from God, but you want to get back with Him. Today is a day to start. So whatever your prayer need is, if you feel God pulling you, don't let anything keep you away. He's going to begin to sing through one time. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. And as they're slipping out of their chair, let me encourage you, just slip out right behind them. Just come on up and let somebody pray with you. They'll talk with you, give you a little counsel, but they'll pray and believe God with you. You come let us pray today. Big things can happen. This could be your miracle moment around this altar, particularly if you need to get right with God. Don't believe the lie that says you can do it at home. Don't run out of this building not being right with God. You come let us pray for you this morning. I love you very much. Yeah.